I'm just going to read that Psalm one more time. How many are the things you have made, O Lord? You have made them all with wisdom. The earth is full of your creations. There is the sea vast and wide with its creatures beyond number, living things small and great. There that go the ships and the leviathan that you formed to sport with. We care for what we love. Have you noticed that? And so I think it's important to pause and remember times when we have been with the ocean and how the ocean has formed us and shaped us and blessed us. So I'm going to tell you a very brief story of my early experience with the ocean. And then I'm going to have you turn to the person next to you and just describe a memory of the ocean that means something to you because we care for what we love. And so if we're going to care for creation, it's going to come from a heart place, not just from a head place. So on the next slide, you can see the quintessential 1970s family vacation. We lived in Ohio at the time. And in the summers, my family would load up in our station wagon without air con and without seat belts. We'd put the seats down and lay in the back and we'd drive from Ohio all the way to the coast of North Carolina. And we crossed the little bridge to Cape Hatteras. And at that time, Cape Hatteras was pretty unknown. So we'd just linger on the beach all day. My mom was a first grade teacher. She loved projects. So she'd bring a little crock pot with melted wax and we'd dig out the sand and make sand castles and we'd hunt for coquina shells and we'd dive in the waves. And it was just this formative experience of delight and freedom and joy in God's creation. And my love for the ocean has never left me. Those stories have been followed by so many other layers upon layers of memories of times when the ocean has blessed me. So I invite you to turn to a person near you. And if you're by yourself, please go find somebody and tell a story. As we remember our own stories of the way the ocean has blessed us or healed us or sustained us, it's important to remember how the oceans of our will participate in sustaining all life on earth. So I've got a, a couple of fun facts, a couple of did you knows. And um, if you knew any of these things, you can raise your hand and show off that you, that you know a lot about the ocean. So first slide, fun fact. Uh, did you know that five times more food is produced by algae than all land plants? Hmm? Anybody know that? Okay. Did you know that 3.5 billion people depend on the ocean for their primary source of food? Okay, next slide. I like this one. Did you know that mussels are natural water filters and one square meter of muscle bed filters 150,000 liters of water a day? Did you know? Did you know that 50% of the oxygen we breathe is produced by ocean plants? Did you know that 90% of the extra heat stored on the planet is held by the ocean? Did you know it takes a thousand years for the water to complete a continuous journey once around the world? It's called the Global Ocean Conveyor Belt. I'm going to put on the next slide. And while I talk, there's just going to be this silent, video of ocean animals playing in the background. So if you get bored of what I'm saying, you can just enjoy those sights. 94% of the earth's wildlife is found in the ocean. How many are the things you have made, O oh Lord? 
You have made them all with wisdom. The earth is full of your creation. There is the sea, vast and wide, with its creatures beyond number, living things small and great. If I were to weave a rug, it would be one color. It would be bulky and uneven, and I would be very lucky if it laid anything near flat on the floor. A master weaver exercising skill and wisdom creates these exquisite designs with interconnecting patterns and overlapping threads and shifting colors and the wisdom and skill of the weaver is literally woven into the fabric of the rug. So our oceans are like these multidimensional living tapestries reflecting creator's wisdom. These interdependent life forms exist within ecosystems sustained by balanced exchanges of matter and energies all dwelling together within layered webs of interconnected systems. A shark moves into the coral reef and a little fish comes out and nibbles clean its teeth. Coral excretes a chemical that acts like sunblock for the algae. Much of this water tapestry is beyond our comprehension. Only 5% of the ocean's floor has been mapped by humans. And the more we get to know these systems that sustain the ocean and the life forms in it, the more amazing the ocean seems. Psalm 104 describes this intricate, interconnected system as an expression of God's wisdom. The way the muscles filter water, wisdom. The ocean plants producing oxygen, wisdom. And the more we observe, the more we glimpse this magnificent wisdom. There is, within the Hebrew Bible, a significant, beautiful tradition that connects wisdom to the act of creation. And in Proverbs 8, wisdom is personified as a woman who's beside God as all things were made. Jeremiah 10, 12, the God made the earth with power and established it by wisdom. Proverbs 3, the Lord by wisdom founded the earth. Wisdom's creative energetic presence in the Hebrew scriptures, orders creation, sets boundaries, provides life forms, suitable habitats within creation. Wisdom is woven into the very fabric of creation. Creation is the incarnation of this wisdom. I think science is restoring our wonder for nature, revealing the deep wisdom within all these integrated systems. We're remembering what indigenous people have known all along, that all of life, all the universe is this interconnected, overlapping tapestry, a web of life. And may this knowledge increase our delight in the wisdom of the oceans. But the passages in the Hebrew Bible also make this other interconnecting pattern that connects wisdom, God, delight, and creation. So here's how it looks. If you take it apart and look at all the verses, you have wisdom delighting in God and then God delights in wisdom, and then God and wisdom delight in creation, and then creation delights in God. And the trees clap their hands, and the stones cry out, and God's found playing with the Leviathan. It's very Trinitarian. So in the Hebrew scriptures, there's this flow of joy between God, wisdom, and the universe, and it infuses all things. So this harmonious, balanced, interconnected, joy-soaked web of life is the incarnate will of God for creation. And when all of creation, 
when all these systems and life forms are aligned to each other, living according to the wisdom's design, there is wholeness and balance and joy. And as humans, we're not standing outside the tapestry. We're in the middle of it. We have life and breath in the middle of this interconnected, evolving tapestry, which is the universe, which is the creative work of God. So we're born into delight. And that's why you each had a story of delight that you told to each other about the ocean. We're caught up in this praise. It's our birthright to be part of this joyous delight. Now, here's the thing. So wisdom in the Hebrew scriptures is seen as creator. Wisdom is seen as the source of delight. And wisdom is also seen as instructing humans how to live within the created order. So we've got in Proverbs 8, the woman, wisdom, like a street corner preacher. And she's standing in the middle of the square where everyone could hear her. Wisdom is so confident of her power, of her voice, and her authority to make people listen. Wisdom is God's will, right, for creation. And she's telling us clearly that our role as humans is to work with God, not against God, and work with God's will for creation, which means, according to wisdom and our Hebraic wisdom tradition, which is our heritage as Christians, that we are to live in alignment with the natural processes that uphold and sustain life. We are to make choices that align with the deep wisdom of God incarnate in creation. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we live in tune with the natural order that wisdom has woven in? How do we align ourselves with to these interconnected systems? And that question, how do we live wisely, is the key question of wisdom literature in the Bible. The relationship between wisdom and creation gets worked out in our ethics and our choices. So will this choice I am making harm, help, or heal life upon the earth, life in the oceans? And we make these micro choices every day that affect our oceans. Like how much single-use plastics will I purchase? Will I bend down and pick up the trash on the beach or will I let it be swept away? How do I resolve the tension of feeding my family at a time of recession with buying ethically sourced seafood? Brent's so good at that. He's always finding these fishermen who fish um, in accordance with the systems of the ocean and offers that up. So these choices, they seem small and the challenge of climate crisis so huge. And it's easy to think that our choices don't matter, but they are the choices that are within our sphere of influence. And it's only as we collectively begin to align our ethical choices back to the wisdom within creation that the earths will have a chance to heal. And I'm preaching to myself, okay? I'm not standing up here as the one who has the expert ethical life. I'm convicted by the call of wisdom. So wisdom is calling out to us like this street preacher. You want a harmonious whole creation? Seek the will and wisdom of God built within creation. 11 million metric tons of plastics enter our ocean every year. That's not the will and wisdom of God. This week, one-fifth of Pakistan is under floodwaters. And so wisdom is now crying out through the land itself saying, You cannot wait any longer to align yourselves back to God's will and ways. 
And in this wisdom literature, there's always this choice between the wise person and the foolish person, the wise person who does that work of alignment and the foolish person who resists it and sets themselves up or creation or something else up as, as the idol. And they'll ignore that invitation of wisdom and block their ears. I just want to note too, that Christian theology has been part of the problem that we're facing with climate change. We've, we've kind of perpetuated a theology that the spiritual realm is more important than the earthly realm. We have perpetuated a theology that says this earth will be destroyed and God will whisk us away. And all of that just allows people to keep on living in a way that abuses the earth, spiritually bypassing the pain of climate change. So as a church, I think it's really important that we continue to support those among us who work at Arasha working to educate our fellow Christian community on the responsibility to be good stewards and the need for climate action. And I wonder what other micro choices, micro blessings we can build into our day, little tiny shifts, tiny changes that we can make to begin to bless and heal the ocean for the way she has blessed and healed us. So downstairs, our kids are imaginatively creating this ocean, a mural, it's accorded with God's wisdom. It's going to be full of life and pollution-free. And we want that kind of world for our children, don't we? So that's a challenge, one that we face every day. God, we ask for your wisdom and your help to make those small and large alignments that need to be made so that our earth, your earth, can heal. In the name of Christ. Amen.